Hello, everyone. My name is Caleb Walgren, the founder of Brody Sports Talk, and I am joined by my co-host, Captain Orange, Derek Rusnick, and you're listening to Season 4, Episode 28 of Brody Sports Talk. I totally changed the order of how I do some of that. You probably know that if you're a longtime listener. Derek, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, how, I hope everyone out there in our listening audience is doing well, whether you're listening to us in the car, at work, um, just tell your boss that you need a, a half day or a sick day and just go home and uh, get in your comfy chair and listen to the rest of the episode. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Derek knows what he's talking about. We have a nice smooth and enjoyable episode of Brody Sports Talk here for you. And uh, just to let you know what we're going to be talking about a little bit today, we're going to go back to this day in sports history. We're going to talk a little bit about the World Series. Uh, We're going to talk about the players that moved during the trade deadline, the news around the Colts, some of our uh, currently inaccurate over-under win predictions from the start of the year, playoff odds over and under the radar, power rankings, and Brody Betts. So we got a full episode here for you. Uh, Usually we do run about 90 minutes, but without further ado, let's jump back to this day in sports history, uh, a day that I fondly remember a lot better than current football that's being played. As in this day, November 9th, 2014, Aaron Rodgers threw for six touchdowns in the first half as the Packers led 42 to nothing at the end of that half against the Chicago Bears. I remember watching that game. It was Sunday night football. It was fantastic. I do think it's interesting to look at that list of names and go, oh yeah, that those players are probably not all remembered for those things. Uh, Brandon Bostic, Andrew Corliss, Jordy Nelson had two touchdowns, Eddie Lacy and Randall Cobb, who is back with the Packers, uh, all had a touchdown. So Derek, do you remember this one? Uh, any thoughts about this besides uh, me plugging my Packers at a better time uh, to start the podcast because I need happy thoughts. Okay. So, you know, 2014 was a much better time um, there. We, we hadn't heard of Corona's from one through 18 yet. Um, Still um, we could, we could sit together in, uh, in our fandoms and watch Aaron Rodgers uh, throw six, touchdowns um still what uh, three years separated from his last super bowl and uh, how many has he had since since that 2014 how many super bowl wins zero oh okay uh, so zero appearances he's he's undefeated in the super bowl okay so aaron Rodgers, back-to-back mvp a great player uh prior to this year um you know, who knows what's going to happen the rest of the year. I saw a really funny uh, picture earlier from, from one of our friends and listeners having uh, Aaron Rodgers in a Colts jersey as uh, it sent something to the fact of uh, another retread on, for, the, uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so I, uh, I, I did have a good chuckle on that one. I think that was friend of the podcast, uh, Kevin Tompkins. Uh, he's was on an episode about a year ago. Definitely worth your Twitter follow if you follow there. Um, at least if, if, if he might, he did it as well. So if it wasn't just 
him. He was a part of that. I saw the picture, and I think I might have read a, a, a tweet not that far down below it, um, saying something about another retread. So I did. I definitely saw the picture from him. I remember now that you said that that uh, it, that I did see his uh, his Twitter handle on there. So I might have just read the the other part in a tweet below it or something like that. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead. Let's leave the football field for a few moments and let's talk about the diamond because that's where we have the most recent champion and the, the four major sports as the Houston Astros have won the World Series. No one is happier than Mattress Mac, although you may think Derek being Captain Orange would be happy for the Astros. He's somewhat begrudgingly happy for the Astros because he did pick them in our draft but he would have much rather had a different American League team there. Uh, Derek, while I'm busy rubbing some salt in the wounds here, uh, what do you want to say about the World Series? Okay, so if my New York Yankees would have won the World Series, because they were the best team in baseball this year um, for three quarters of a season or at least half a season, um, you would have won the the Brody bet part of it. Uh, and so I will, I will take my win, but um, you know, it's good to see that the Astros have won the world series at this point. There is no cheating allegations. Of course, we'll wait on that to see all the people who have uh, saltiness uh, in their hearts. Uh, but for me, I have been a big Justin Verlander fan uh, since he's been in the, in the big leagues. Um, I watched him when he was in Detroit and then has spent a, a couple of years in Houston. And for the first time uh, this year, he gets a win in the World Series. He has been there three different times, this, uh, this, uh, twice with Detroit. It's the, it surprises me still that Detroit went to the World Series twice, um, but never got a win in the World Series. And when he was in Detroit, got his first one this year. And... The dude just is winning, not just in the baseball field, but in life. He's married to Kate Upton, supermodel, has uh, a great family, and you know, and has a support of a of a a city that that really kind of rallied around him. Um, at he has a sixteen and eleven postseason record with a three six four ERA. And has been in 35 postseason appearances. It does surprise me how many games he's he's pitched in the postseason. Um, and just about all of those he has had a decision in. Um, I didn't expect him to have, you know, what is that? Uh, a good amount. 27 out of 35 appearances he had, he's had a decision. Um, so must have in his earlier years must have have really just been out there for the win or the loss. A lot of times you see in the MLB this year that starting pitchers barely get to five innings to get that uh, qualification to win a game. Um, brand new MLB stuff and, and how they're, uh, how they're going. The uh, bullpen this year for the Astros has just been astronomical uh, and amazing. They had an under, one ERA for the entire postseason. Um, so I'm, I'm, I wanted to spotlight Justin Verlander just a little bit. Um, he for, was a longtime ace in MLB, won a couple of Cy Youngs, and now he's kind of taken that that second or third best pitcher, but definitely a guy that um, you can you know give the ball to and let him 
let him go do it. I hope that he, um, you know, now that he's got that win in the in, in the World Series, now that he's got that ring, you know, we might see him uh, right off right off into the sunset, and uh, you know, enjoy what's probably going to be a broadcasting career. He's he's a really good communicator and has a, a pretty quick wit. So uh, I, I know you're not a baseball guy on a general basis, Caleb, but uh, any any parting thoughts you want to uh, say about the entire MLB season, this postseason, or the, the Astros? I mean, I just got to say that I feel like Justin Verlander's been around for forever. Um, you know, I double-checked. He's the 2006 AL Rookie of the Year, and here he is. He's like you said, been in the postseason so many times, both with Detroit when they were good. Then he went to the Astros when they started being good. It's not like he was like jumping bandwagons. It's just he's been on good teams because he pitches well. He gets his teams to win games. And he had he threw hard stuff, like you said, kind of like back most of the time when he won the Cy Young. I I feel like this might be a slight too much to say Derek but would you say he's kind of like a modern day Greg Maddox in in some sort of way because he definitely doesn't have the same heat that he did but he's just so good yeah Greg Maddox is has a special place in my heart um, because of what he did but um, he definitely he's a he's he's smart about where he pitches and what he pitches um, and because he knows his limitations when it comes to his fastball isn't uh, isn't nearly up there with the with the younger guys nowadays. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead. Let's switch gears a little bit, Derek. We'll go back to the football field, and let's talk about. We talked about a ton last week. All the players that were moving at the trade deadline, like Jeff Wilson, Bradley Chubb, Chase Edmonds. I really want to know how he did in his first game. Don't really have a lot of clues on that one yet. Uh, but Derek, what are some thoughts that you have about how some of those uh, people that had to pack up, move, find a new team, learn a new playbook real quick, how did they do in some of their first games? Yeah, so with uh, we'll just, just file out, swallow out a couple of these guys. So Jeff Wilson Jr. comes over from the 49ers in, in San Fran, goes down to Miami, and the the head coach Mike McDaniel was the uh, offensive guy in in San Francisco. Worked really well with Jeff Wilson. Jeff comes over in a short week, has nine rushes for 51 yards and a receiving touchdown. Um, that's good for just about any team. I mean, you can put up uh, 51 yards uh, in just nine rushes, and you know, putting up a tud, you're looking pretty good. Bradley Chubb comes over from the Broncos to the Dolphins. Uh, only had one tackle in his first game, but got paid, uh, got an extension for five years, $110 million, which uh, if he pans out the way that Miami expects him to pan out, um, will, you know, in that fourth and fifth year, he's going to look like he, he's underpaid because that $110 million is going to uh, to be pocket change in in five years. Uh, the big story was TJ Hawkinson um, coming over from Detroit inner division uh, to the Vikings. He puts up nine catches for 70 yards. But the one that I really like uh, was Jane Robinson. 
Um, coming, stepping in for Brees Hall with the Jets, 13 rushes, 48 yards, a touchdown, and just puts the team on his back a lot. A lot of, you know, 48 yards doesn't look like a whole bunch, but a lot of those were when you needed them to to get there, um, when you needed to be able to run the ball. And we'll talk about the Jets a little bit later on um, when it comes to what they're doing and, and what they look like. But these are the guys had a short week or had a, uh, you know, basically flying to a new place to play, meeting their coaches, meeting their teammates, and they put up some, uh, some nice numbers. Absolutely. Um, I just have one that I want to give a little bit of a call out to Uh, switching sides of the ball. I don't know how on earth Roquan Smith lined up (laughs) at linebacker and was still able to go out and get like, five tackles for the Ravens against the Saints. Normally, middle linebacker, inside linebacker, you're like calling the plays. You're in the – have to know the defense, you know, every which way. And for him to show up in Baltimore and just kind of have that immediate impact, kudos, man. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how he does the rest of the year, especially with more talent around him as – I think that it's going to be a lot better for him in Baltimore than it was in Chicago, which is probably the understatement of the year. I mean, probably true. Um, I, we, we will definitely see. I think that one's going to pan out a lot better than what it uh, what it looks like right now. Definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely an upgrade. So let's go ahead and go to the next bit of news here, Derek. As at three, five, and one. Frank Reich has been fired as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And, uh, you know, Ursay, he went, he did his thing, made sure to promote someone who had a lot of coaching experience at the high school level and bringing in ESPN analyst Jeff Saturday to be the new interim head coach. And today they also announced who's going to be calling the offensive plays for that thriving offense with Sam Ellinger at quarterback, and that is Parks Frazier. Um, of course, Parks Frazier. Everyone knows that name. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that, Derek. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you give some thoughts out because I'm pretty sure that I might start ranting, and I don't want to steal all of your thoughts. So go ahead, Derek. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what is going on in Indy. Um, I am, you know, tangentially looking afar from Indy. I I watch a lot of Pat McAfee, former punter of the Indianapolis Colts, has a daily sports program. Um, And so, you know, I get a lot of my Indy takes from from that show um, because he's still quite plugged in to to that team, still lives in Indiana, uh, in, in Indianapolis, still sees those guys. I don't know what's going on. Um, I don't, I mean, you have John Fox on staff and even if you don't, there are guys on staff that, um, you know, could probably step in for the last bit of the season. Um, when it comes to hiring a guy like Jeff Saturday, I don't know what your in game is. So if you're trying to lose games so that you can get a top five or seven pick, um, then yeah, you got guys on staff that you can see what they can do and what they're, you know, what they're going to, you know, to bring to you in the future. If you want to keep them on staff 
for the future. If you bring in a guy like Jeff Saturday, it's a big splash. It's a big name. Um, do you hope that he wins games? Because if you're gonna, if you're hoping that he wins games, well, then why were you? Why bring a guy in like like if you're trying to lose games, just keep the guys that are there and get your your young guys out there. You know, try to to look at the future. Try to look at what um, what you have in there. So I, I, I if they're, are they trying to win games? Because I don't think Jeff Saturday is gonna make is gonna get you to a game winning. I don't think he's gonna win a lot of games. He's not ever done it in the past. And yeah, it's a great story. It's a great rah rah part. But I I just don't. I mean, I, I can't see what Indy is trying to do here. And I definitely don't think that Jeff Saturday is going to be the coach next year. So Caleb, go on your rant. Tell me what you, what you have, what you're thinking about this. I mean, I really just don't see how, how all of this makes sense. Like the Colts have gone from a team that I usually would look at and say, you know what? I respect what they're doing. I respect what they're about. And somehow, you know, Nick Sirianni goes to Philly and Matt Eberflew goes to Chicago and the Colts are just completely losing their minds on how they're running things and how Ursay is just running it from ownership, it feels like. You mentioned John Fox. Gus Bradley's also on the staff as a former head coach. Not that we're going to sit here and say, yeah, Gus was the best coach during his tenure. No, but he at least made the playoffs at one point. Like, let's not sit here and act like he's never won games. If you want someone who's been a Colts legend to come in and take over the head coach spot, you just need to go back and listen to our season preview where Derek brought up Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne's there in the locker room. He at least knows the offense. He knows what the play calls are. He knows the people in the locker room. Like. I don't understand how like bringing someone completely different in is going to all of a sudden change everything. Jeff Saturday has to be like excellent at this. And I feel like for him, it's a win-win situation. He shows up, they do well. He looks like he can do this. He can get a job in coaching if he wants, uh, you know, outside of his high school head coaching job. And you know, maybe it bumps his credibility in being at ESPN. Maybe he knew his contract was up and he was worried about being brought back as an analyst. I don't understand his personal decision, but in general, I don't think that this is a bad choice for Jeff. It's the bad choice for the Colts. Like, is he going to be able to come in and fix the offensive line that you just never signed people for? I mean, Dennis Kelly, Ryan Kelly, Matt Pryor, and Braden Smith are not that good. I don't think he's going to make Bernard Ryman look like an excellent pick. That I mean, he was a third rounder for a reason. Yes, he has skill, but he's raw. I mean, you've got Quentin Nelson. You've got DeForest Buckner. You've got Yannick Ngakwe. Like, they should be better than the sum of their parts have been. But I don't know that Frank Reich was completely the issue. And even if he was, why not give someone else on your roster a chance? Like, there's got to be a better way. Even uh, Parks Frazier, I just got to bring him up. 
He literally was hired to the team to be the assistant to the head coach, not assistant head coach. I need to make sure that this is a great office reference here. He's the assistant to the head coach. That's where he Did came we in put in Dwight Swoot in Dwight? I can't even say his name. Dwight Swoot? D- Dwight Swoot. Oh, my goodness. I tried it three times, and it failed all three times. That's how – just go ahead. I, I'm going to no, stop good. talking now. Yeah, so we have the assistant to the head coach, who then got made during the COVID year to be offensive quality control, and then last year got assistant quarterback coach, which – does he really know how to teach the quarterbacks? Did the quarterbacks actually learn anything from him? I don't know. He's young. He's 30. I'm not going to blame him for being younger than me and already calling offensive NFL plays. But I'd really like it if he at least had like more experience. Like even before he was the assistant to the head coach, he'd been a grad assistant in college. He hadn't been like a position coach there. So he's going out and calling plays. Um, he better have a good relationship with Ellinger or something as the assistant quarterback coach. Like he at least got that job when Ellinger was brought in. This just feels so weird. Um, also the fact that when I double checked information on Parks Frazier and it said that the officiant for his wedding was Frank Reich, uh-huh. the guy who literally officiated your and your wife's wedding, who you were the assistant to. He gets fired and you're calling the plays now. This has got to be feeling like an awkward week for Parks Frazier. I just, I feel like if this was a movie, people would look at this and go, there's no way that some NFL owner is dumb enough to do this stuff. And yet that is exactly what has happened in this week in Indianapolis Colts. Like what, whatever. Derek, call me down or say something else. Okay. I'm just done. I'm going to kick this down the, down the road. Let's show me what you got. All right. Well, let's switch. Let's switch gears. Let's go over to uh, revisiting our over under win predictions. I would rather not revisit these, uh, especially if you caught us at the top of the episode. Uh, There was one that we were both over on at the start of the year. It was my Green Bay Packers. They were projected for 11 and a half wins based off of where they are at now. They are at three wins and six losses. The best they can do is go 11 and six. We both had the over on that 11 and a half. They cannot hit it. They are under this year. Uh, my apology tour started last week if you caught that episode, but for the Seahawks, their projected win total at the start of the year was five and a half. Uh, now they get to not only go over that with six wins already on the season, they get to go to Germany to uh, have a belated Oktoberfest. Oh, wait, they're actually playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over there this week. But Pete Carroll, I hope you enjoy your time in Germany. Uh, maybe get a bratwurst or something. Uh, as a token of my apology on how wrong we were on that, because we both had the under, and we're trying to do better than that. But that's okay. That happens sometimes. Derek, anything you want to say about those uh, missed predictions from the start of the year? How is it addition by subtraction? How did the Seahawks go and make a better team 
in a very good, or should be a very good division with the Cards and the Niners and the Rams. How are they doing so well in that division? They're six and three. Um, I thought Geno, you know, Geno Smith haven't done anything prior to this year, but he steps in there. Um, you know, maybe Shelby Harris is the reason why this is the major turnaround. Noah Fant is doing pretty good things up there. Former Broncos, maybe that's what that's how. Uh, doing, but I will my my hat tip. Actually, my head is off. I full-on bow to the Seahawks because they're doing great things this year. Maybe it's Ken Walker. You know, he showed up at Michigan State for a year, and all of a sudden they had the best year in, like, forever, and they fell off the face of the earth now that he's got drafted by Seattle. And now he's up there in Seattle uh, drinking some Starbucks and just crushing things for the Seattle Seahawks. Who knows? Uh, One thing we do know, though, is... I like looking at the playoff picture. Derek likes looking at the playoff picture. So we're going to try to guess some of the playoff odds. I took these percentages from Football Outsiders. They do give them as a point something percentage. I'm going to round them to make it easier. I'm going to give Derek a couple of guesses. We'll see what he gets the closest to as he guesses today. But we're going to start in the NFC. We're going at first with the New York Football Giants. To be clear, if the season, if the playoff started today, the Giants would be the sixth seed and would be traveling to those Seattle Seahawks. So they're six and two, oh and one in the division, but three and two in the conference. And they are in that second wild card spot. Derek, what do you think they have their playoff percentage odds at? Okay, so at this point, um, they have net points of plus six, which means their points for and their points against. Um, are only, they've only scored six more points than they have given up. I'm going to say their playoff odds are 82%. 82%, that is a great first guess. It is listed as lower than 82%. So we get guess number two here, Derek. We started at 82. It's lower. Where are you going from here? I Okay, so clearly NFC really good. Um, teams there, but they're still at six wins already. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay maybe get something. San Francisco, I think, is going to go on a run. Um, let's go 64%. 64%. Uh, now you are too low and you need to go higher. So let's, let's go higher for the final guess here, Derek. Uh, for Danny Dimes. Brian Dable and the Giants, where are you landing here on a final guess? 78. 78. I like where your mind is at, but they are listed at 74% odds. So I was not that far off. No, not far off at all. And in general, I think that you kind of see where you're coming from. In general, they're already in, so they're giving them a little bit better than 50% odds right from the get-go because it's better to be in position than out of position. But it's also one of those things where you got to look at everything and go, what do I think about this? So let's go ahead and keep it moving here. Let's talk about the NFC South and the Atlanta Falcons. Derek, (laughs) the Falcons, it's got to be an interesting one. They currently would be out of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're listed as 
what would be the eight seed, but of course they are just behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers based off of the Bucks head-to-head win over them earlier this year. Uh, they actually are winning a tiebreaker over the Commanders for the record. So uh, where do you put the Falcons playoff odds? Okay, so we went to uh, net points to talk about the Giants. The Falcons net points are negative eight. So they have been scored on by eight more points um, than they have uh, points for. Now, everybody in the NFC South is at negative at this point. Buccaneers are at negative two. Falcons are at negative eight. Saints at negative 15. Panthers at negative 49. I'm going to say the Falcons are at 17%. 17%. We are going to need to go higher. Okay. That is. Uh, so we're going to go coin flip for the Falcons and the Buccaneers, probably. When, like they, they have to win the South in order to. Uh, so let's go 33%. 33%? It's still a little bit higher, according to Football Outlook. Really? Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe they think Tom Brady is out of the chicken coop. Um, let's go the answer to the answer to the question of all uh, answers. 42%. I'm going to say that that is a win for you, Derek, because you got very close. They have it at okay. 41%. Um, I do think it's interesting just to share with you because it does give a breakdown based off of like by seed Mm -hmm. and it's saying the Atlanta's division win percent chances is 29 and a half percent. Yeah. So I feel like that's really close to where you were thinking on that 33%, but they're giving them about an an 11% chance of a wild card. So not really a great chance for that, but it's, you're saying there's a chance. So uh, it does exist out there for, the Falcons. And let's wrap this one up with the Los Angeles Rams defending Super Bowl champions. Derek, they're three and five. If the playoffs were starting now, they're behind the commanders, but they are in 10th. Uh, what, what, what percentage chance do you want to give them off the bat? Okay. So Man, I've got to go close to where I was at with the Falcons because I don't—they can't win the division. I mean, I don't believe they can win the division. I don't think that they are the even the second best team in their own division. But at the same time, you know, they're only really worried about the NFC East um, because, once again, the those Commanders—they are number ten. Um, let's go with twenty-five percent. 25%. Yeah. We're going to need to go lower. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, now that makes a lot more sense. Um, let's go with 12%. 12%. Just cut in half. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to say higher. Okay, so it's between 25 and 12, 17%. 12 is definitely your closest guess. It was 13%. Okay. I felt bad even not saying, okay, I'm just going to stop you there. You were close. Yeah, I mean, I thought if I can get within a point, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm you should be fine. Yeah. All right. So let's switch conferences. We're going to go from the NFC to the AFC. Just to go ahead and give a complete picture of the AFC playoff picture today. The Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, and Titans would be the top four seeds based off of winning their divisions. The wild cards are Jets, Dolphins, Chargers... 
And on the outside looking in currently on the eight seed is the New England Patriots and the nine seed is the Bengals. And then we get into a lot of mess. Uh, I will call out one other team that I have on here because we'll get to them in a minute. And 13th, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> so uh, probably more talking about their division if there's a chance at that. But let's go ahead and get going with the Patriots, Derek. Interesting team, five and four, technically an outside shot at a wild card. I think it's interesting that they're currently ahead of Cincinnati. What is your initial guess? Okay, so like you said, they are five and four, but they're only like a game or two back because the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins all have six wins. The Bills are, are currently ahead of the East because they only have two losses. So, I mean, they're within that, that game and a half. Um, they have a positive of net points uh, at 37, which is the second highest in this really good um, division. Um, so a couple, I mean, so we need to add together a wild card and winning the East because they've won the East for so long um, there for a while. Um, let's go with 65%. 65%. We are going to need to go lower. Okay, so you think the Bills and the Dolphins are going to are, are going to win out probably. I mean, you got the Bengals there. Um and then you I mean you still got the Chargers. So we'll talk about them in a second probably. Um let's go with 52%. 52%. We're going to go a little bit lower. Oh, okay. Uh 47%. 47. I like that one. They have them at 44%. Okay, within I was in three within three points, a little bit outside of where the range should be, but uh, okay. I mean, it's okay. It was your first one in the AFC. I gave you a tricky one in a tricky division. Uh, just so you know, Derek, uh, they have the Bills at like 94% chance, which, duh. I mean, I think we all yeah. think the Bills are going to get in, especially if uh, we get positive reports back on Josh Allen that we don't have yet. Uh, the Jets are at a 70% chance, and the Dolphins are at a 69% chance. So, nice. Yeah, it's right there in a tight, tight race. Um, I think in general, because the Jets and Dolphins already have head-to-head -head wins over the Bills, yeah. it probably bumped their odds a bit more. Uh, we're going to avoid the AFC North because it's crazy. And let's go to the AFC South. Uh, we're talking about the 3-6 and six Jaguars. You know, they don't get to play Jeff Saturday in the Colts. They've already had those two games. Uh, but what percentage chance do you want to give Doug Peterson? Well, yeah, I'm going to the Jaguars first. I'll, we'll finish with the Chargers. Where, where are you at for the Jags? I'm dropping the Jags into single-digit numbers. I'm going to say 9%. It is higher than 9%. Okay. Uh, then I will say 20% as my number two. They still have positive net points at 21, so they've scored 21 more points uh, than they've given up. We're going to need to go lower from 20%. Okay, so they're in the teens. That makes a lot of sense for me. Uh, I'm going to say 14%. That's going to count. Uh, they have them at 14.6%, so technically oh, rounding up. Uh -huh. um, but uh, I just want to go ahead and call that out. You know, If you are paying attention... The Jaguars have a better chance of making the playoffs than the Rams. So, 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Look at you with that, that sneaky math. I mean, I also can't yeah. help being a little bit obnoxious about the Rams every now and again. Um, but let's finish West. We'll finish with the Rams counterpart. We're going to the Chargers. Uh, Derek, I already said that they currently would be in partially because they have that buy. So they just have that extra game that they haven't played compared to the losses the Patriots and Bengals have. Where do you want to start them off at? Um, so they are so injury prone. I think th- that they you have to put that into the into the guess itself. Let's say forty seven percent. They are higher than forty seven percent. Okay. I mean, of course, they're in right now, so that means something. Um, they're negative net points right now. Um, they've given up two hundred and six points um, while scoring one hundred and eighty four, which surprises me. Um, because Lion Herbert uh, does a pretty good job out there. Let's say 61%. Ding, ding, ding. 60.8%. I knew I couldn't go 60. I knew I had to get the round. <laughs> I mean, you would have gotten it at 60, but yeah. I, I appreciate the 61. You're playing the percentages and the numbers a little bit better. Um, if you like that, let us know on Twitter at Brody Talk. I, I hope that was fun. I had a lot of fun doing it with Derek. Definitely something a little bit different for the two of us, but we always like to have fun and try some new and different things here at Brody Sports Talk. And let's face it, it's time to start getting some overreactions out there uh, and then go under the radar. That's right, Caleb. It is my favorite segment because I get to be emotional and overreact to something. And then... I'll go under the radar. So my overreaction, no matter how much I like the guy, no matter how much I love hearing his speeches, Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Detroit Lions, he has a great story. He's a great motivator of men, but he is not going to make the Lions a contender. There is some serious work that has to happen on this team um, they, they're going to have to, to find a really solid quarterback. They've got some, they've got some pieces over the last couple of drafts to, to put there, but I do not think that Dan Campbell is going to be the coach that is going to get, uh, is going to change the, the wins and losses for this Detroit Lions team. Maybe I'm wrong. But he's great, and he has a lot of great sound bites. And used, but I don't know if he know if he can do the X's and O's well enough in order to to translate the public speaking and all that kind of stuff onto the football field. I know they need a new quarterback. I know that they need um, to to put together some some other pieces that they have. I'm not sure that Detroit's ever going to actually do that the way that LA Rams and the Buccaneers have. Um, this is a down year for the NFC North. Um, the The second best team in there in that division is uh, only a game above them, and yet it seems like the two and six Lions are significantly worse than the three and six Packers and the three and six bears. Like the bears seem to be on an upward trajectory trajectory. The lions, 
they seem like they are the Lions and they're going to stay the Lions. And Dan Campbell's been there long enough now that we should be able to see something, you know, see a pathway forward. And so for me, no matter how much I like the guy, I don't think that head coach Dan Campbell is the answer in Detroit. Caleb, any, any reaction to my overreaction? Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how long of a contract they gave them. And in general, when they traded Matthew Stafford, there there was clearly going to be more of a rebuilding period. Uh, they didn't, you know, Jared Goff is not Matthew Stafford. It's still somewhat curious to me that they haven't at least addressed the quarterback position more than that, but they haven't. But at some point, it's been a rough two years. Um, they started, uh, I believe it was 0-10-1 last year. They're 2-6 and six so far this year. At some point, you've got to prove that you can get some results. And Danny had just hasn't shown that so far. So I, I hear you, man. Uh, do you want to go under the radar or should I overreact first? I want, I want to hear your overreaction so badly. I, I, I see them in the notes and that you always, cause you always put a little, just a, a little tiny snippet of your thoughts. And I want to know what this means. So my overreaction, especially based off of the 2022 season so far, is that the quarterback win stat is the most overrated stat that exists. What do I mean? There was a guy who came into the season, tons of quarterback wins, great quarterback record. Uh, His name was Russell Wilson. People need to realize that there are so many players on a team that impact wins and losses. It is not like just because you may be the face of the franchise, it is not Russell Wilson's fault that the Broncos are three and five. It's not Russell Wilson's fault that his linemen are hurt. It's not Russell Wilson's fault that Javante Williams is hurt. It is not Russell Wilson's fault that Nathaniel Hackett does not know when to call timeouts or run game end scenarios. All these things are part of a team essence. Wins and losses are teams. No one goes and says, this is what this running back wins are. They only do it for quarterbacks. No one says, oh, this is how much this safety has won. No, no one cares. Quarterbacks get wins and losses attached to them because of their prestige. But it is a joke. It is a joke stat. It's part of why even going into 2021, people were like, well, can Matthew Stafford win in the playoffs? Yeah, I think he did fine last year with the Rams in the playoffs. You might remember he won the Super Bowl. It's not that he didn't do well in the playoffs. It's because he was on the Lions. Look at quarterbacks that have done better this year than anyone expected. Daniel Jones. The Giants didn't pick up his fifth-year option. They didn't believe in him, and he's done great. The Giants are winning games this year. Is it because the Giants are winning games or because Daniel Jones is winning games? It wasn't because Daniel Jones' fault that they lost all the games before. Geno Smith. No one sat there and said, oh, Geno Smith is a winning quarterback before this season well you know what he can be anything can happen some people would probably sit here and say uh Derek Carr he knows how to win games doesn't matter this year the Raiders stink the Raiders are bad we'll get more into that in the power rankings but 
I just don't understand why people will sit there and go, well, this quarterback's win-loss record is such and what of thing. It's irrelevant. No one should ever look at Davis Mills on the last two years he's been on the Texans and say, well, Davis Mills' quarterback record is this. That's not a thing. He is an NFL quarterback who happens to start for one of the worst-run franchises in football. That is not his fault. Those losses are not Davis Mills' losses. Now, if you if you could sit there and go, oh, yeah, this quarterback definitely lost this game, like Aaron Rodgers this past weekend, or maybe Andy Dalton on Thursday Night Football when he threw pick sixes before the end of the first half. Yeah, that's probably Andy Dalton's fault. But most of the time, quarterback wins are just, they exist, but we should stop caring. Uh, Derek, am I wrong? Am I right? What do you think about that? Yeah, so you can have a quarterback that puts up a lot of stats and does his very best. But if you don't have a defense that can stop somebody, um, I would say that for my for my dollar, that Patrick Mahomes should have two losses on his record. Honestly, like he, there, there's only been a couple of games that I can think of off the top of my head where he has not played exceptionally well. And yet, he's got more than two losses on his NFL record. Has a, has a lot of loss. I mean, has a lot of wins. Has Super Bowl. At the same time, if you don't have those other players around you, you're not going to uh, you're not going to succeed. Let's take a look at a certain team that is owned by someone on this podcast. Aaron Rodgers is back to back MVP. And this year, without a really established receiver that he has chemistry with, without people to catch the ball, he looks like junk. Now, uh, there's a little bit to to all that all around. He's he's getting a little bit older. He doesn't have the same zip on the ball. Um, the timing's a little bit off. But mostly, if you look at what uh, what has been the excuse the last. <clears throat> several years for the Packers, it has been that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have weapons. If you're you're going if you want to win, you got to give him weapons. And you saw what happened with Devontae Adams last year. Great team, great chemistry. They're they're going and they're doing things. Is the three wins that the Packers have the six losses that they have are those all on Aaron Rodgers? No, this is a team game. There's 22 players on the field at any given time, and you only have 11 of them. I, uh, I, I will stand with Caleb on this. The quarterback win is, is not, a, uh, not a good stat. Derek, I think, I think what all of this makes me want to do is, do you mind if I just go straight into my under-the-radar I'm I'm looking... This? Yeah, I lift I lifted it up and I'm looking under your radar. What's uh what's under your radar? Uh so my under the radar this week is that there is no one right way to build a team. So let's talk about current teams and how they're going. I want to start with a team that I've been paying a lot of attention to. The New York Jets. 
I feel like in general, there's someone that we're seeing a lot of. They got the big win over Buffalo. They invested a lot in the O-line. They invested a lot at running back. They have an expensive pick at quarterback. But they also basically said, we're going to have a great defense. Having a great defense works. The Tennessee Titans have that. Tennessee Titans have a great defense. They almost upset the Colt or the Chiefs on Sunday night football when Malik Willis literally doesn't look like he knows how to throw a pass in the NFL. Uh, I believe he had five completions on Sunday night football out of like 20 attempts or something like that. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go out and get a franchise quarterback. You don't have to try to be the Chargers, get Herbert back there, get all these crazy good receivers. You don't have to be the Dolphins and trade for Tyreek Hill. Every team is going to do it their own way. You don't have to sit there and go, oh, we got to go make a big move for Devontae Adams. Um, It's not looking so good for you right now, Raiders. Maybe you should have uh, taken care of some other spots. But I just kept looking at this and going, I feel like everyone feels like there's a blueprint for how you should build a team. And, And there's not one right way. Everyone should be trying to just build a team in their own way, in their own style that they want it to be built as. Uh, Derek, I know you agree with me on this. Um, I just, I'm tired of people trying to, you know, not everyone's going to be Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's just not going to happen. I'll even give you the same team um, as you were talking about. So Rex Ryan uh, in the, what, late 2000s had Mark Sanchez at quarterback had a good defense, had a good solid team, went to AFC Championship games. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. That's a different story than where we're sitting at right now when it comes to the Jets. They went out and they got, in my mind, the best player in the draft, Um, and that's Sauce Gardner. He is doing things at the cornerback position that should be fourth, fifth, tenth year guys, um, and making it look much easier than it actually is. Um, They drafted really well with Brees Hall. Hope he gets better soon. All that, um, you know, I hate when when people are out for the year with an injury. Um, We can see that they've got these young pieces that they're really starting to look promising. There are the Philadelphia Eagles that are built in a certain way. Um, You can see what the Ravens did when they drafted Lamar Jackson. They went from one type of offense, you know, because elite Joe Flacco was there and they ran a certain kind of offense and had a certain kind of team. They got Lamar Jackson and they changed everything. They became this really great running juggernaut and changed their offense. There's a lot of different ways to build a team. You don't have to throw it all over the yard like the Chiefs do. You don't have to run it down people's people's throats like the Titans and the Ravens do. A lot of ways to win, and you are exactly right, Caleb, and I commend you for that. Go ahead, Derek. I want to hear you go under the radar. I I know that you've, you've got take a deep breath. Let me know uh, what's what's going on under the radar in your world. 
Okay, we have a little smooth jazz going on in my head, uh, and only I can hear it clearly. But uh, so, as we all know, there are 32 NFL teams. I have my favorite. Caleb has his favorite. But you know, at the end of the year, only one team can win the Super Bowl. And only two teams get to go there. That means at the end of the season, 30 other teams get to sit at home and watch that Sunday where two other two of their colleagues are are playing for a world championship. To me, there's a lot of teams out there and we're, and we're seeing a little bit this week and last and for the last uh, year or so. The NFL is a business. They are, it, it's really nice to have, um, you know, grown men play a kid's game um, and, and watching the exciting, all that kind of stuff. But these teams are businesses. And at the end of the day, the people who own these businesses are all about money. They did not become billionaires to buy teams just to uh, to lose money. So there are teams out there that are happy to get some headlines throughout the year and then go back to not winning a Super Bowl every year. The Cleveland Browns, I will tell you this right now, there has been, in the last few years, a chance to make some big moves and to really make a push to the in, into the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. They have not made those moves. They look better and a lot of people talk about the Browns and Kevin Stefanski and oh this is a great coach and they've made you know he's made good choices and you know there was a big offseason move for the quarterback position. But they knew they weren't going to win a Super Bowl this year, but they got their uh, their quarterback of the future, who hasn't won anything at his previous team, and they're going to sell some merchandise, and ESPN is going to talk about them. But they're going to make money at the end of the at the end of the day. The Houston Texans, yeah, they're probably going to vie for that number one pick. But you know what? With that number one pick, what comes about six months worth of everyone talking about you. That's uh, a over exaggerate, probably three or four months of everyone talking about you. Houston Texans this, Houston Texans that. And when they get that number one pick and they make that number one pick, because it's usually like this big name that's been talked about all season long, people buy merchandise, people buy hope. And you you sell merchandise, you sell tickets, and the rich just get richer. So... At the end of the day, when your team, when you say, why why didn't uh, they go pick up a wide receiver in the trade market? Why didn't they make my team better? Because that team knows we're not good enough to win the Super Bowl this year. But if what we were going to do in the offseason is going to make us some money, and that's what we're going to do. You're not wrong. I mean, it's very true. You got to find the right way to make moves. 
and go about your business. Um, some seasons are lost seasons. I mean, it's kind of where the Colts are. I mean, they had a lot of thoughts and projections about possibly winning that division. I think we can both clearly say, even with Jeff Saturday there, that's not happening. Uh, Derek, I do have a question for you, though. Are you feeling the power? I I, did, I wasn't before. Oh, oh my goodness. Is, are, are you talking about the greatest, most wonderful power rankings in the history of the mankind? Absolutely. So we're going to go ahead and get started on our week nine power rankings. These are, of course, based off of the input that we get. We put it all together, rack them, stack them, one through 32, flip them, and then we start with our basement tier, which are the worst of the worst, go to the wavering tier, which are teams that we just don't trust enough to do anything with, the aspiring tier, which are teams that are aspiring to greatness, possibly the playoffs, and then we have the playoff tier, where it is the elite of the elite that we trust to do the best day in and day out. So let's go ahead and get things rumbling in the basement, where at number 32, we have the only one loss or one win team in the NFL, and that's because they played the Jaguars. That is the Houston Texans. At number 31, we have Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, that's got to feel good, Derek. At number 30, we have Jeff Saturday and those Indianapolis Colts. At number 29, it is P.J. Walker for the P.J. Panthers. At number 28, it is time for Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think he's going to have a winning season this year. Something just going to call it now. Something feels a little bit off. Uh, at number 27, it's Dan Campbell and those Detroit Lions. At number 26, and stumbling down the rankings, it is the New Orleans Saints. And at number 25, it is my team. How the mighty have fallen. Uh, the Green Bay Packers crashing with their cheese heads into the basement. Uh, I'm not going to spend time on that today, though. Uh, we're going to go ahead. Let's go back to the Raiders because they're so curious, Derek. Um, the Raiders can't stop giving up big leads. Uh, they gave up another big lead on Sunday. They were up 17 to nothing on the Jaguars in Duval. And they lost the game 27 to 20. Uh, of course, you know, when I'm looking for analytics to see how to understand teams, went over to our, our friends over at Football Outsiders, and they are ranked 32nd in passing defense. And I looked at the stats, and it, it bears out. So uh, for the pass rush, Max Crosby has six sacks this year, and the rest of the team has three. Nine sacks. That's not good. Uh, they've only forced five turnovers this year. Uh, three interceptions, two fumble recoveries. Oddly enough, Derek, they've returned two of those for touchdowns. So when they're getting the ball on defense, they've done stuff with it, but it hasn't been great. Um, on offense, Josh Jacobs has six touchdowns, Devontae Adams has seven, and the rest of the team has four, which are Mac Hollins with two, Brandon Bolden with one, and Darren Wallet with one. Uh, Derek's true sadness here is that Hunter Renfro has zero. I know that he 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 gives pour one out for Hunter Renfro today, Derek. Yeah. Um, so in my opinion, is the Raiders predictability here as far as Max is getting the sacks, uh, Jacobs and Adams are scoring touchdowns. Is this just a poor coaching job that they're so predictable or do you blame like 
the front office for not doing more this offseason for the lack of support. Okay, so I wish everyone to go into your kitchen, get your salt and pepper shakers, and go ahead and, and pour out just a little bit of the white stuff and take this with a grain of salt. I am a Denver Broncos fan. Josh uh, McDaniel used to coach, I, I put the coach in air quotes, uh, the Denver Broncos. He set us back a few years. Um, we had to bring in Peyton Manning to make a uh, make a change to things. So that all being said, uh, I hate the Raiders with a passion. Um, this is not on a coach. Uh, this is on the former coach kind of just sent everything by the wayside and didn't draft well. And the cupboards aren't real, uh, aren't full right now. This is going to be a rebuild for the Raiders for a while. They need, um, to, they need to get their offensive line in order. They really need to get their guys there. Um, you know, they, they made the big splash with Adams and that looks great. Um, that being said, if you're not uh, if you're not able to, those two can't play pitch and catch all day. Sooner or later, you're going to cover Adams, and then someone else has to step up. Um, you know, Darren Waller, who is this great player, only has one of those. So I think this is a a rebuild or a need of patience as I do not think that the team had the option to give him support. And I think that he's a little bit over his head right now because the Raiders are in kind of shambles. So I'll put it on, let's just, if you have to pick one, I will pick the front office because the front office has sent some of their best players by the wayside and haven't drafted real well. That's interesting, Derek. I really do find it to be interesting. In general, I would say Mike Mayock did not do a good job with them pretty much ever um, in his tenure there with the Raiders. He drafted oddly, whether you want to call that his fault or someone else's fault. I'm, I'm fine having that discussion. I just... I also don't understand things like they went out and signed Chandler Jones. We've seen older pass rushers do good things. Talk about what Justin Houston is doing. He has over seven sacks this year. He had a pick against New Orleans. You know, it's not because Chandler Jones is older that he's having a bad year. But I mean, he's hitting their cap at 7.8 mil mm -hmm. and he's sure not showing up. You'd say the same thing about their former draft pick, Clellan Farrell, almost 10 mil against the cap this year. Nothing. It It's not a good time for the Raiders right now. I, I at least think it's got to be some of both. They've got to be good enough to get those leads. 
they they were up huge on the Cardinals and then lost to the Cardinals in overtime. They were up huge on the Jags. Like we're talking about not the best NFL teams in the Cardinals and the Jags. At some point, you've got to be able to hold on and win games. Even Kyle Shanahan knows this. So, I mean, even Dan Quinn knows it too now as he's a defensive coordinator. 28 to three jokes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, I do think that their predictability is probably a little bit more poor coaching because they can get the ball to Waller more. Granted, Waller's been hurt. They can get the ball to Renfro more. They, they have running backs. They drafted Zamir White. He hasn't gotten used at all this year. They went out and signed Amir Abdullah, made it seem like he was going to be used in the passing game a lot. Nope, just Josh Jacobs. I don't know what McDaniels is doing. He's If he's supposed to be basing it off of things that he's learned in his time with New England, he's not. Because they use multiple running backs. They don't have elite wide receivers. It's just bad. It is just bad. There is a mishmash between what they're trying to do with coaching and what they have. It doesn't fit. Um, Derek, are you ready to go wavering tier, or should I continue to? I know you don't mind me harping on the Raiders because uh, you don't like them. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the wavering tier. All right. So at number 24, it is Duval for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're welcome. And at number 23, it is. Matthew Stafford and those Los Angeles Rams and their 13% playoff chances. And number 22, it is let's ride Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos coming back hot from the bye from London. Maybe he drank a cup of tea on the way back. Maybe not doing high knees all the way. We'll find out later. Uh, at number 21, it is Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Oof. We're going to talk about them more in a second. And number 20, it's time to bear down for the Chicago Bears. Congrats to Justin Fields setting the single game record for rushing yards by a quarterback, breaking Michael Vick's record. Justin Fields, I may not have said a lot of good things about you. I don't claim to like you because you're a division rival, but you did well. And number 19, it is the Cleveland Browns. And number 18, it is Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders. And at number 17, it is Arthur Smith's Atlanta Falcons. So let's go ahead. Let's dive into the Cardinals, Derek. Uh, Arizona, they made the playoffs last year. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, they won the division. They actually won the NFC West over the Rams and the 49ers because uh, the Rams went to Arizona as a wildcard team. And the 49ers went to Dallas as a wildcard team. I'm about 80% sure of this. I'll find out if I'm right here in a few moments. But uh, they decided things were so good. They gave extensions. Kyler got an extension after, you know, all of these. Oh, I'm pulling all my Cardinal stuff from social media. Okay, well, thank goodness that drama's over. Uh, Cliff got an extension. We all know Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, quarterback guru, offensive guru. Guru, guru, uh, NFL draft guru, as far as someone who likes to sit in a nice house and have a camera on him. And then, of course, Kime, because I'm just trying to keep this K theme going. Uh, Steve Kime, the GM, he got an extension as well. They're all extended through 2027. 
And uh, uh, I want to make a, a nice little Arrested Development reference here because I think that if you're looking at the owner of the team, he's probably sitting there going, I've made a huge mistake. And they're sitting at three and six. They haven't looked great. Uh, they haven't really looked that good. It's been rough. So do you think they've made a huge mistake, Derek? And let's, uh, let's say who is more of the problem? Is it Kyler, Cliff, or Steve? Yeah, I got to say Kyler, Cliff, or Kime. It just sounds better. Uh, and, and why? Let's go ahead and just rank them out together. See if we can get to a unanimous decision on that. Yeah, the, the Cardinals have made a huge error and uh, have really put themselves back for a bunch of money. Um, we're going to see a Bobby Benita uh, type of payout of Cliff Kingsbury in the next two years where they're going to pay him off for the next 25 years. Um, Cliff Kingsbury is not the answer. Um, in Arizona. He wasn't last year, and he won't be for the future. He is a great offensive coordinator when you don't have to worry about anything else. When you don't have to worry about a defense, when you don't have to worry about game planning or anything like that, he's a great offensive coordinator. The issue is, this is the NFL this there there is one of 32 i think i've said this number a dozen times in this podcast there are 32 nfl teams not 133 college teams in division 1 you're you're going to be the spotlight cuz there's only 31 other other guys like you in the nfl so for me at number 3 who has the least amount of problems that's kyler i think i think that he is the quarterback of the future and i think that he can be utilized i don't mind them giving him a big money contract because like i said in my under the radar he's going to make you money he's going to he's going to be the face of that franchise he is going to give really good interviews and people are going to come to watch him play uh, second on my list is the GM, Kime. I think that he has put together um, some pretty good trades, and I think that he has put together um, some pr- a pretty decent team. Um, I saw that, uh, you know, Buda Baker is there, and then they they got D-Hop. They brought in Robbie Anderson. So they're, they're working to try to, to make the team better to give some weapons to Kyler, uh, to give some pieces to Cliff, the head coach. If things don't turn around in the next mm, four games, I would say, then we're looking at at a total, something's got to change. Um, and then for me, number one, who has the most blame, um, that's Cliff Kingsbury. He's, um, he's the one who creates the game plan for the team he calls the offensive plays and then he said just a couple of weeks back you know if it'll help the team i'd give up play calling duties well you're not good at anything else cliff so 
what are you going to do? Are you going to squirt water in guys' mouths during timeouts? What are you going to do? Because you're not good at anything for the Arizona Cardinals. He probably that, would that, miss it that too. He'd probably yeah, miss it that probably too. like I, that. That might have been a little bit of overreaction on my on my part. Um, well, who I, I got a little heated on, on that answer just thinking about it. Uh, so, where where's your numbers? Uh, who do you rank one, two, and three? So I'm gonna go ahead. I'm, I think Kyler at number three is exactly right. Uh, they have made a huge mistake in all of these extensions. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. It's it's awkward. Um, then I'm I'm actually gonna put Cliff at number two. I do think that he's made some bad moves. He's done some of the wrong things, and I don't think that he's remotely. Uh, I was trying to give make fun of him a little bit. If you couldn't tell in my intro when I called him a guru, guru because he really just is. Okay, he's never been great. I mean, let's face it, he got fired from Texas Tech and then got hired in by the Cardinals, uh, by Steve Keim. I mean, Steve Keim has actually been the GM of the Cardinals since 2013. So to take you back to that moment, the first coach that he brought in was Bruce Arians. I don't have any issues with that hire. That was a great, great hire. Uh, Then he brought in Steve Wilkes, who's currently the interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And then he's been running things with with, uh, Kyler and Cliff when he brought them in. I don't know why he's gotten so many chances, Steve Keim, to just bring in coaches. Um, Steve Kahn also would be responsible for drafting Josh Rosen at number 10 overall. Uh, that was a horrible waste of a pick. And if I have time to, you know, roast Josh Rosen a little bit, I'm going to do it. And even when I look over the last few years, I just don't understand if he's drafting people that don't fit in the system or what the issue is. Um, in 2019, they took Andy Isabel in the second round. He's never really found a good way to make an impact on the field. Um, He'd also signed Terrell Suggs. I don't remember Terrell Suggs on the Cardinals. That feels very uh, out-of-body experience to me right now. Like Isaiah Simmons. Everyone said he was going to be a boom player. Can't miss. They, they haven't found a way to use him. And he did fall to eight. So at some point, maybe he was a mess. Maybe you need to know how to use your players before you draft them. Like going out and getting AJ Green has always felt awkward. Drafting players like Zayvon Collins and Rondale Moore. Like I just, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what type of roster he's trying to put together other than he has a quarterback in Kyler Murray. And that's because he drafted a coach that was so bad and he drafted Josh Rosen and they lost a bunch of games and had the number one overall pick. That's not skill. 
That's you're lucky you didn't get fired. I don't know. I don't know, Derek. I I just don't have a lot of respect for what has happened out there, and it is, in my opinion, embarrassing. Uh, I, anything I'll else agree you with you? To... Okay. No, anything I'm a, I'm hundred percent behind you. I uh, I you've done a little bit more research um, than I just. I, I like the Zayvon Collins pick um, out of Tulsa. I thought I, th- I think he's he's going to be a solid pick. Um, for the next few years, uh, but I aspire to be um, a better, more informed co-host uh, like you. Before I jump to the tier, I, I, I mean, I don't think that I can necessarily say I think Zayvon Collins was a bad pick. I think it's, is he picking people that these coaches don't know how to use? I think that there's, they've got to collaborate better or something. So let's aspire to greatness, uh, unlike the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, these teams will actually pull up their iPads and study film and do great things uh, sometimes on the field. And number 16, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And number 15, we have Malik Willis's Tennessee Titans. Just kidding. And number 14, we have Justin Bear and the Los Angeles Chargers. Number 13, it's time for some macaroni and cheese for the New England Patriots. And number 12, it is Christian McCaffrey and the San Francisco 49ers. And number 11, it's Who Day, the Cincinnati Bengals, and Joe Burrow. And number 10, it is Geno season for the Seattle Seahawks. And at number nine, climbing back up again, it is the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. So let's talk about the Jets a little bit here. Another team in the NFL showing how good you can be with an elite defense to go forward. They helped confuse potential MVP Josh Allen in a 20-17 to 17 win. Again, jumping over to Football Outsiders, they have them in both the top 10 defense for passing and rushing defense. That's impressive. Uh, I did look at their schedule a little bit because they're coming off of a bye or going into the bye. Um, it's going to be a road-heavy schedule. They've been 4-0 on the road this year. Kudos to you guys. That's effort. They've won in Lambeau. They've won in Mile High. So I know both of us are like, yeah, we'd rather not talk about how they do on the road. But they're the five seed in the AFC with five more road games left. So let me go through the schedule real fast, Derek. So they have at New England versus the Bears at home, at the Minnesota Vikings, at the Buffalo Bills, hosting the Detroit Lions, then short week Thursday night football where they host the Jacksonville Jaguars. Finish at Seattle and at Miami. Back-to-back road trips and having to go from New York to Seattle to Miami. Not the way I want to travel across the country, if you ask me, during the winter. So how do you have them finishing the season and do you consider them a dangerous playoff threat? Yeah, so, so for me... The Jets are spoiler this year. They they're not going to win anything significant. Um, I think that there are better teams. The AFC is just really really tough, and I do not think the Jets are where they need to be at this point to really push through that AFC. We'll see in the next year or two. My hope is that they are reloading bringing new guys in and and fine-tuning that staff to 
um, to really push and become the Bengals or to become, uh, you know, the Dolphin type of uh, where they everybody just has it's, it's on point uh, for them. But for me, I mean, I think I think they'll make the playoffs. I mean, we, we uh, I, I still think they're good, but I don't think that they're going to challenge for the AFC championship game this year. There's just too much talent in the AFC. But for me, I think they can beat the the Patriots. I know they can beat the Bears. Um, and then I know the, the Lions and the Jaguars. Um, so that's four four wins, I think. So then, you know, you push the Vikings, but you're in Minnesota. That's going to be tough for them. And then in Buffalo, um, you know, depending on health and injuries, uh, you know, that's going to be a, a tough game. So I think that um, I, I can see them definitely getting up in, into the 10 or 11 win um, season, which definitely puts them up there with in the playoffs and and with uh, with those playoff teams. Um, and I think they can push Minnesota. I mean, I don't I mean, I know that Minnesota has seven wins. They only have one loss. And uh, they know how to win thus far, but uh, you know we'll see toward the end of the season what uh, what Minnesota has. So uh, I think I gave them a, a, at least four or five more wins the rest of the year. Okay, I mean I think that that makes sense. I tend to lean a little bit closer to the four wins. It's just such an interesting schedule. I don't like that the game after the bye is New England because let's face it, New England kind of had their number a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the Bears and Lions and Jags, they've got to win their home games. They're only two and three at home right now because they've won, like I said, all of their road games. And I don't think that streak's going to stay alive. Kind of like you said, at New England, at Minnesota, at Buffalo, at Seattle, at Miami. Those are all teams with winning records. It's going to be very tough and very difficult to win those. And I want to see how do they bounce back? You know, is that game against Miami at the end of the year, is that a win and you're in game? It could be huge because the Dolphins are still trying to fight back some of their losses from when Tua was out. But with Tua in, they've won a lot of their games. Um, You know, how much does Buffalo want revenge when they go up to Buffalo? It's it's tough. I could see it even possibly slipping down to three. And if it's three, you're a nine and eight team. And I don't know that you can make the playoffs in the AFC at nine and eight this year. We were just looking at it. I mean, right now there's two teams on the outside looking in at five and four in the Patriots and the Bengals that, especially if the Patriots can beat them on that game back, that's a sweep for New England. That's you true. don't want to have someone who has a sweep against you. So... I want the Jets to be a good story. I want the Jets to have a good season. They've been fun. Sauce Gardner, you talked about him earlier. A lot of fun, a lot of respect for him. Um, I, I feel like you can't call him Sauce Island. In general, I just want to say that when people go up against him, they get lost in the sauce. And I feel like that's exactly what Sauce Gardner is doing to wide receivers he's facing. So... Uh, one, I want that to be a, a phrase that people use about Sauce Gardner. And I, I don't consider them a dangerous playoff threat, though. 
I mean, anything can happen once you get in, but I, I, I'm not going to necessarily sit there and start circling them against the playoff heavyweights that I would consider in that division, like the Ravens, Bills, and Chiefs. Uh, I, I feel like that means we should go to the playoff tier. Because... I think we go to the playoff tier. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So entering the playoff tier at number eight, their counterpart there in the Meadowlands, it is the New York Football Giants. At number seven, it is Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. At number six, it is MVP Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I said we would talk about them later. At number five, it is nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. At number four, it is Micah Parsons and the Dallas Cowboys shredding defense. And at number three, it is Kirk Cousins iced up dancing on a plane and the Minnesota Vikings. At number two, it is... Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs and their State Farm commercials. And at number one, it is the undefeated Fly Eagles Fly, the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's go back to those Ravens. Uh, they're also heading into their bye this week. Back-to-back -back road primetime victories. Granted, they're against NFC South teams and the Buccaneers and the Saints. Uh, Kenyon Drake actually was carrying the load on the ground. And Lamar is spreading his targets around. I believe I looked and he had 12 completions in the Monday night game to 10 different players. Very impressive to do so. Uh, Roquan Smith, of course, he's going to have some more time to acclimate himself to the team, learn the playbook. Now that he's finally getting his bye. And uh, my question, Derek, we all know that this team is going to ride or die with Lamar. Like we've, we've hinted at it. We've talked about it. It's there. Um, Injuries have stacked up. Mark Andrews is hurt. J.K. Dobbins is hurt. So many players are hurt. So uh, who's going to help Lamar? If Lamar had a, a ride or die on the team to be uh, the Robin to his Batman, who is going to show up and be that for Lamar Jackson? Well, that's so you have the the caveat in there, which really is is knocking down a lot of the who is not injured on this Ravens team. Um, I you know, of course, I I love Mark Andrews, and that's you know that would always be the guy that I uh, would choose. I I think this is a really a team effort, is what I'm saying. So, it, Jim Har uh, uh, Harbaugh, the the coach, is, is 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 it Jim that's there, or is it John? Uh, I believe it's John. I think Jim is at yeah. Michigan. Let let me uh, do some quick uh, research. Googling. Uh, yeah, so it, it's... It's John. It's John. Okay, I am, I'm a very bad person. I could not think. I mean, neither one of us could think about it. Uh, you know, like, if I'm going to to say that, yeah, this is like... I think it's the defense, honestly. I mean, you, you put Rookwan Smith on there, and I know... You know, he's the new guy. He gets to come over. Um, but the guy who's going to bail out this entire team a lot of times when they sputter is is the greatest kicker in the history of mankind and Justin Justin Tucker. I think it it, it is a a defensive team that um you just have to do enough to get within 40 yards of the other guys uh, fill, uh, 
field goal because Justin uh, Tucker can hit it from anywhere. And so I think you just have to do just enough. I think you have to, you go out there and this is a, a, a team that, that plays together. Um, and it's just the next guy up. It's Kenyon Drake. And then there's Duvernay and you, at some point in time, everyone's going to be, um, Everyone's going to be hurt, probably. I mean, I, I swear it's going to be the Ravens and the Chargers in the AFC Championship game on who's healthy. It's just going to come down to guys who are constantly injured on both of these teams. Um, but I'm, I'm going to ride with the guy who's betting on himself, and uh, I'm going to take Lamar is, our, is going to get him there. I mean, I I hear what you're saying. I think Roquan does make a ton of sense on that defensive side of the ball. If I had to go somewhere else, I'm going to go with Kenyon Drake. Yeah. And I'm going to make this a full circle power rankings moment. Uh, During the preseason, by the number 31 team in the power rankings that we're saying doesn't have enough talent around them, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, he was supposed to be there with Josh Jacobs being a two-man backfield. I'm not going to sit here and say Drake is doing awesome in Baltimore. But we got to have a run game. The Ravens run game, uh, it's one of the best in the league. Granted, Lamar is doing a lot of that. But someone's got to be able to break a tackle, pick up some extra yards every now and again. when. It's not Lamar. I mean, even if you think about them from last year, Derek. Mm-hmm. I mean, they brought in Deonta Foreman. Like, they were just finding people that no one thought were doing anything and saying, hey, come sign with the Ravens. Uh, we've got an offensive line, and you can play with Lamar Jackson. Kenyon Drake, he's averaging 4.7 yards a carry this year. Yeah, he only has three rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown, but – He's not a red zone threat. He, he, you don't have to have him. Like, if you need him to go jump over the goal line, fine. But they have Mike Davis. They have other backs. But I think Drake is pretty much established himself as the lead back at this point with Dobbins being hurt, Edwards being hurt. I, I want to see what Drake's going to do. I'll agree with you on that one. So, Derek... Without further ado, let's go ahead and go to our Brody bets for week 10 as we are crossing the halfway mark on the NFL season. Yeah, so let's go ahead and open up these bets. And my disclaimer every single week that we do this is these are for entertainment purposes only. Me and Caleb do not actually bet on any of these uh, these games, um, as one, we live in Oklahoma, this is an Oklahoma-based podcast, and we do not have sports betting in our state. And number two, we are bad at it. Um, as you will hear in just a couple of minutes, um, we are not good at it, and we will lose a bunch of money. We're both very happily married men, and our wives would kill us if we lost money uh, betting on grown men with a pigskin. So, Without further ado, let's go ahead and review last week's games. Uh, Caleb, you you went one and three last week. Your win was the Seahawks and the Cardinals going over 50 and a half. 
They just squeaked past that at, with a 52. Um, that was great. Um, your Huskers, um, you had them going over uh, the Huskers and the Minnesota Golden Gophers over 46 and a half. They got to 33 last week. Uh, that, so that was not a win for you. Uh, your Packers, um, you had uh, the Packers minus three and a half at the Lions. Unfortunately, the Lions were very proud in taking out the Packers. Um, Aiden Hutchinson had an interception in that game. Good for him, um, even though the Packers lost. I, I'm very sad about that, but I do like uh, the number two overall pick. And then last week's wild card was the Dolphin, your wild card with Dolphins minus five at the Bears. And the Bears lo- lose by three. The Dolphins win by three, but it's not five. And so you did not uh, successfully pick that game. Last week, I had kind of a middling week. I had the Seahawks plus two at the Cardinals. Seahawks won outright by 10. So I won that one pretty handily. My Oklahoma State Cowboys lost to the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, they were a minus. They were a two-point favorite. They lost by 21, and so that is uh, a loss for me. Let's just call it a a loss. Um, once again, I, I I don't have an excuse. Uh, first it was purple, then it was teams that have adjectives. And nouns, I guess Jay and Hawk can be separated, but uh, I don't have any more. My Broncos were on a bye, so I didn't get to choose that one. And then my wild card um, pushed because I had the Rams plus three at the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers won by three, and so um, I just had a push on that one. So this week, uh, Caleb, what is our fan vote? The fan vote that is coming this week is the Vikings at the Bills. Obvious choices. you got two teams that have combined for a 13-3 and three record through the year. The over-under on this game is set at 45.5 points. Uh, it's a really tough one because we still haven't received good news about what's happening with Josh Allen's arm. They said they're checking his... Uh, basically his ulnar ligament and his throwing arm, something that impacts pitchers. If it was his non-throwing arm, no one would care, but you don't want to get it risked to be more hurt. And uh, they could play Case Keenum. This could be a Case Keenum revenge game, Um, but I'm going to go ahead, come out and say, I like the Bills defense. I like what the Vikings have been doing on defense. I'm going to go under the 45 and a half. Derek, where are you going on this one? I just want to give you a little bit of a heads up on uh, on that pick because you, you really did throw out a, a name there that people need to realize. So um, the backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills is Case Keenum, as uh, Caleb said very wonderfully. Um, also on that team, a little uh, wide receiver guy. He doesn't get much play, doesn't get much action, but his name is Stefan Diggs. Um, when these two guys played, uh, at one point in time, they were in purple and they won a big old game with a Keith Keenum pass to Stefan Diggs and, uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, ran into the end zone, got a touchdown and everyone was very happy. 
So we may see the same thing happen again. Case Keenum to Diggs um, going for that touchdown. I, I hope not. Um, yeah. Derek, what are you taking on the fan vote this week? Yeah, I'm going to, uh, full on um, Skull. Let's go Vikings. Uh, Skull uh, Vikings plus five and a half as we sit here currently. Um, it is five and a half. It could change. But if the Vikings are getting points, I'm going to go ahead and take those points. Later in the week, um, we're going to see if Josh Allen's uh, UCL is going to be okay. Um, even if it is not, they're probably going to um, try to run the ball a little bit more, maybe not throw the ball as much. I think a lower scoring game in the grand scheme of things. I like the Vikings in this game. Um, and I, I like the, I like five and a half points. So, um, you know, we'll see. I'm taking the Vikings plus five and a half. Uh, let's talk about those corn huskers, Caleb. What do we got going on with the corn huskers? So the corn huskers are going on the road this week to the big house, taking on Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Michigan is currently a 29 and a half point favorite and the spread on this game is 49 and a half points. Nebraska has shown up a little bit more. They also were playing with second and third string quarterbacks this past week. Uh, It has not been a good sign. I'm going to go ahead. Let's just call it a low scoring game. I'm going under the 49 and a half because it's probably the direction I should have gone last week, but I'm going to go under this week with Michigan. Uh, Derek, let's stay in college. Let's go to, over to Stillwater. Uh, the Cowboys are going to be at home. That's a good thing. They are a one-point underdog to the road Cyclones. Uh, I know that you don't like talking about Cowboys and Cyclones, but it is in Stillwater. And it is a over-under of 48 and a half. Uh, you know also a little bit about uh, possibly having backup quarterbacks play. Uh, what where, what way are you leaning on this game? Yeah, so looking at the uh, looking at the last few weeks, um, other than the outlier of the Kansas State game, um, the the games have been pretty high scoring. And even with the uh, the K State game, it was pretty high scoring. Just uh, there was no points scored by the Cowboys. So for me. I, you know, I don't want to bet against my uh, my Cowboys. So I'm just going to go ahead and take the over 48 and a half in that game and, um, you know, just hope that whomever is playing quarterback can some can some put up some points. And uh, as long as uh, we're not playing Iowa State on a Thursday, generally we're, uh, we do okay. Um, so... Uh, can, I, can I talk about my Broncos? Because I didn't even talk about them last week. They were on a bye. Yeah, let's go back to the pros. Let's talk about the Broncos. And uh, this week it looks like they are going to Nashville. Uh, possibly the last time they'll play in that current stadium because we all know Nashville wants a new one. Uh, they are a three-point underdog, and the over-under is 39. Uh, I know you've taken the over-under for the Broncos quite a bit this year. But I, I want to know where you're landing on this contest. Yeah, so this one, I can't, uh, I can't take it. I think, I think Derrick Henry is going to run all over the uh, the Broncos. I, I like having a bye week. 
um, you know, and getting kind of getting things right. Maybe this is what was needed. Maybe Russell Wilson comes out and uh, does some stuff. I'm still going to take the Titans minus three um, in this game. Um, I don't like it, but uh, the Broncos, I, I, I just don't know where they are this year. So um, the Titans minus three in this game. Um, can we talk about the Packers? Uh, we can. I can't claim that I'm going to be happy about it. Yeah. So uh, the Packers are at Lambeau this week. They are a five-point underdog at home against the Dallas Cowboys. The over-under on this game is at 43. I'm taking Dallas minus five. I also would probably take the under. Look, the Packers didn't win in October. I'm looking at the November schedule. I don't know if they're going to win in November. Host the Cowboys, host the Titans on a short week on Thursday night and at Philly. Uh, Yeah, so uh, don't expect a lot of positivity uh, unless things change. Uh, Des didn't catch it. Uh, I can say that. So sorry, Derek. Uh, (laughs) Cowboys minus five. Uh, let me let me find something else in the division I want to talk about here, okay? Okay. So uh, my wild card this week is I'm going and I'm taking the Lions at the Bears. It is a very interesting game. You know, we've got Dan Campbell there. We've got Justin Fields setting some records. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm looking at what the Bears have given up the last couple of weeks. They traded Robert Quinn away. They traded Roquan Smith away. They gave up 49 points to the Cowboys and 35 points to the Dolphins. This is going to be a points of Palooza at Soldier Field. I'm going over the 48 and a half. I think that this is a slam dunk of a pick. I don't always do over-unders in my wild card, but apparently this week I'm just feeling some over-unders. I've got three of them on my picks, so... Give me the over for Bears Lions, uh, Derek. What what are you feeling wild about with your wild card? Okay, so we've got a battle for the soul of California. We have the Chargers going to San Francisco. Yeah, I saw that look. I'm very being very overdramatic about the soul of California because I don't think the the Rams are going to do anything the rest of the year. So Chargers going to San Francisco uh, at the 49ers. The 49ers are a seven-point favorite in there. And I am going to jump on this 49er bandwagon. I'm going to run all the way to the end. Uh, I love Kyle Shanahan because of, of that last name. I love the uh, Christian McCaffrey trade. I uh, I'm... You know, I'm not glad, but I'm happy that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback there, as I think that he is a better quarterback than Trey Lance. And this would have been a lost season if they would have had Trey there. I think they're going to get into the win column. And I think they're going to beat the Chargers by greater than seven. So I have the 49ers minus seven uh, at home versus the Chargers. Very nice. And that is going to be it for our Week 10 Brody Bets, and that's it for this episode of the podcast. So if you like what we do, please give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And it's been a long one, so I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Brody Talk. That's where we get the fan vote out. And on behalf of my co-host, Derek, y'all have a good one. Bye. Bye, guys.